Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Again, very special welcome if you're online. If you're uh, here for the first time, if you're new, also a very special welcome to you. My name's Braden. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here. And I'm going to be careful where I walk today because we've got some lovely decorations out. I'm going to make sure I don't <laughs> knock myself out or start a fire. So just watch me. If I look like I'm about to run into something, let me know. Uh, and then we can avoid um, having to deal with an insurance company. But how about I pray and then we'll get into it. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you love us so much that you would send your son to be born. And we, we thank you for the gift of joy. Uh, and we, we thank you uh, that we get to celebrate that here today. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, Leanne did a great job in just kind of introducing that. And um, Anthony also prayed something as well that I think thought was also really interesting how sometimes... Uh, Christmas becomes a little bit mundane and I think sometimes it's really easy to kind of go through the the routine again and so as we go through this sermon series we're going to be looking at uh, a few of the different aspects that comes um, as we move into Christmas and as we think about joy I'd really encourage you guys to think about uh, joy but not in the sense of how we just kind of think about joy because we have to at Christmas but actually spending that time thinking about joy. Uh, and, and thinking about what that means and, and how, how significant it is. And so as we, as we start uh, heading into Christmas, uh, it's, it's always a bit of an interesting one because there's different types of Christmas people. Uh, so for some of you, you're wondering why we're talking about Christmas. It's not the 25th of December yet. We've still got a few days before we actually have to start thinking about it. And then for some of you, the, the Christmas playlist just keeps rolling the whole way through the year. Uh, you know, you've left your Christmas decorations up. The Christmas tree has a permanent feature in the house. It doesn't come down. Uh, or or maybe, maybe you're the person in your house that's maybe trying to set up the Christmas tree a little bit earlier than everyone else is, is, is wanting to. You know, you're trying to push it back to August. Uh, if you're Kmart... Uh, Christmas decorations come straight after Easter uh, with a short sabbatical for Halloween. But, but there's, different kinds of it, there's, there's different kinds of embracing Christmas uh, and this Christmas spirit. But as, as, as we flick the switch, there's certain things that all of a sudden become normal. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. So one, one of them is eating things like turkey and ham. So I'm not sure, about you. I don't even know where turkey is in, in Coles. I, I wouldn't know where to find it if I had to from January to November. But all of a sudden in, in December, eating turkey and hams and stuff like that becomes normal. It's just one of those things that as we flick the switch and we bring in Christmas spirit, that become, becomes normal. Uh, the other one is playing Mariah Carey. Very unacceptable January to November. If, if you're playing Mariah Carey in your car, questions are asked and, and things are frowned upon. But in December, listening to Mariah Carey is very acceptable. Uh, so you're allowed to do that in December, but no other time of the year. Uh, my my favourite one though is driving around in a car through suburbia at night and stocking, stopping to look at strangers' houses that are of interest to you. And sometimes, if it's of particular interest, you'll even get out of your car and walk around their house and check it out uh, because they put lights out in in their front yard. But January to November, very unacceptable. 
don't do that, not encouraged. Uh, but in December, it's okay. And as we start getting into the Christmas spirit, uh, that's one of those things that are okay. Everything, things are decorated. Everything's very pretty and cheerful. And it's a, it's a fun part of the year. And so we have lots of fun. We get to do things. Uh, my wife's currently making our house look very pretty. And I'm very thankful for that. And, and it's one of the, you know, we start having fun. We start celebrating. And it's a, it's a really fun part of the year. But, but obviously, as we, as we start getting into that, we also think about Jesus. And so, you know, nativity scenes come out and we, we tell the story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem and remember what it means that Jesus, uh, being God, would come down to us and be born into the world so that we could have eternal life. Uh, but I'm not sure about you, but in the last few years, even in my short lifetime, it feels like the, the Christian side of Christmas is kind of almost feels like it's being phased out a little bit. I'm not sure if you noticed that, but, but um, nativity scenes are kind of, we don't really see as much as them anymore as we once used to. And even, like, kind of even the word Christmas sometimes gets faded out. So instead of saying Merry Christmas, now we'll say Happy Holidays. And, and our beloved Christmas tree sometime is now called a, a holiday tree. And, and it kind of feels like this attack on tradition where, you know, we've held onto Christmas for, for 2,000 years and it's been our, our special holiday and then all of a sudden it's kind of hijacked so people can have a fun holiday. But, but this thing, it's not really anything that's actually new. Uh, if, you, if you look through the history of Christmas, it's actually something that's had this tension for quite a long time. Uh, so the, for the first 300 years after Jesus was born, uh, the, the early Christians actually thought birthdays uh, were pagan. And, and so you didn't celebrate bir- birthdays. That was, that was a complete no-no. So thank, be thankful that you weren't born in the first 300 years after Jesus was born, otherwise you wouldn't have a birthday or Christmas. Uh, but for the first 300 years, so celebrating Jesus' birth was just something that wasn't done. You wouldn't celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus. And, and, and there's different uh, kind of theories about how Christmas first originated, but the f- historians kind of think that the first kind of celebration started coming up about 300 years after Jesus was born. Uh, and the focus was actually more on the wise men giving gifts to Jesus. And this was something called Epiphany. And so this, this Epiphany uh, celebration slowly gained momentum throughout the centuries uh, and, and people started picking up on it and having kind of other celebrations. And uh, as this kind of progressed, uh, the celebrations started to involve some, some naughty things. And so people, people's celebrations started getting a little bit naughty and, and people did a whole bunch of naughty things at Christmas and so poor people would go and raid uh, the rich people's houses and they, they would uh, drink things and, and do things that they shouldn't be doing and that you're taught not to do in Sunday school. And, and all of a sudden, by the 1600s, a uh, bunch of Christians, uh, they were called the Puritans, they actually said, that's it, no more Christmas, Christmas is now illegal, we're not celebrating Christmas anymore. And, and Christmas kind of only continued as this this tradition that was a rebellion uh, both against the church and against society. It was something that was frowned upon and Christmas wasn't really a, a proper holiday that was supposed to be celebrated. And it wasn't until uh, about 200 years later, uh, in the 1800s, where the church actually started to try and reclaim Christmas, and the, the church started to try and you know make it back, you know bring it back to this idea of being about Jesus. And at the same time, uh, there was more of a social movement as well, which you know brought in things like Santa Claus uh, and brought in this idea of who's been naughty, who's been nice. 
No more naughty celebrations because you won't get a present, you get coal and, and Santa won't like you. Uh, and, and things like Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. Uh, you might have heard of that one as a story and it kind of brings in this idea of Christmas spirit. And, and there's this movement to try and make Christmas this family-friendly tradition at the same time as trying to bring it back to the original uh, thing of being about Jesus. Uh, and, and so uh, our, our tradition of, of Christmas really isn't actually that old. It's something that we probably really only had it as we have it now for, for a couple of hundred years. But in the meantime, it's, it's swung to and fro from this tradition that, that celebrates Jesus and, and is focused on Jesus to also actually being a, a celebration that kind of completely avoids the topic. And this isn't to try and justify or condemn what goes on at Christmas. Um, we're not going to shut down your Christmas parties this year. It's okay, you've got another year left. Uh, but, but it highlights the, the constant wrestle that we have between, between making Christmas about Jesus and making Christmas about celebrations. And, and it's, a, it's a tension that we all wrestle with. You know, how, how much do we have to focus on Jesus at Christmas? How much does it have to be about him? And, you know, w- where do we draw the line with that? And then how much, you know, are we, are we allowed to talk about Santa Claus? Are we allowed to have presents? Are we allowed to, you know, are we allowed to have all these parties? You know, do we, do we skip the Christmas Eve service to, to have a family gathering? You don't, by the way, you come to the Christmas Eve service. Um, we'll see you all there. But, you know, th- there's this tension where, where you have to wrestle with, with where do we draw the line with the celebrations and making Christmas about Jesus. And so as we, as we come and try and figure out this balance, uh, one, of the, the, one of the passages that we come to is, is Luke 2, and Leanne's kind of read it out. Um, and so in Luke 2, I'll just grab it out here. Uh, in, in verse 10, uh, so there's these shepherds that are in the field looking over their sheep, looking out for, you know, there might be a thief that's trying to get a nice lamb dinner, uh, or there might be a fox that's also looking for a lamb dinner as well, and, and they're watching out, and then all of a sudden the angel appears, and, and the angel says, Do not be afraid, I bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I'll bring you good news that brings joy for all people. And this kind of kickstarts the reason that we celebrate Christmas. It's because Jesus brings joy. There's this good news that brings joy. And so when people know Jesus, it brings joy. We celebrate and spend time thinking and reflecting on Jesus because it brings us joy. And this kind of joy, it's not, it's not the same as happiness. Sometimes we get happiness and joy confused and it causes us a whole bunch of problems. But Jesus never actually made the promise that we're going to be happy. And if you listened to the sermon last week, you'd know that it's actually very normal for you as a Christian to be quite the opposite. You know, you think of Lazarus and, the, and, and Jesus raising Lazarus from the, death, from the dead in the lead up. He, he would have known that Lazarus was going to die. He would have known that he was able to, to raise Lazarus from the dead, but what happened when he heard the news that Lazarus had died? Jesus wept. And so even Jesus himself, who knows what has happened, what's about to happen in that moment, he is overcome with a great sadness. Regardless of the joy that he has, he is sad. And if you look at Psalm 13, uh, it's a psalm written by David, and this is what he says. He says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? 
Look at me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I've overcome him, my foes will rejoice when I fall. So David isn't happy. David feels forgotten by God. David David's worried about what his enemies are about to do to him. He's overwhelmed with the thoughts that are going on in his head. And he's definitely not happy. But this is what he says at the end of the psalm. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. David is sad, but David has joy because he knows that he has God. He knows that God is always there. He knows that God is faithful. He knows that regardless of what happens, no matter what things will look like, he can trust in the unfailing love of God and so David rejoices. David has joy. And that climax of joy is Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of, of the unfailing love of God. Jesus is the ultimate bringer of salvation. And so we rejoice because no matter what happens, we win. We get to be with God. We get to be with God forever. And we have this sense of joy because Jesus brings salvation and no one can take that away from you. No one can take that away from you. And as we move into Christmas, if we, if we understand joy and if we understand happiness, it makes finding that balance just a little bit easier because joy is better than happiness. And if we realize that joy is better than happiness, then we, then we put our identity in joy. We, we focus on joy. We, we know that happiness will come. And when happiness comes, we celebrate that, but we know that it will inevitably go. But it matters a lot less if we put our identity in joy. And at Christmas, the world is going to tell you that you need to be happy and there's things that you need to do in order to be happy. There's things that are sold to you that if you buy this, if you do this, if your family looks like this on Christmas, then you will be happy. But it's not going to last. These are, these are empty promises. These promises aren't true. And if you buy into those promises, you're going to find yourself disappointed. And just like this wrestle between Christmas being about Jesus and Christmas being about celebrations, there's this wrestle in the world and this wrestle within us, especially at Christmas, that, that fights between the wrestle of pursuing joy and pursuing Jesus and pursuing happiness. The pursuit of something that will last and the pursuit of something that will fade. I'm not sure if you kind of can think of like a really special Christmas present that you got one year and, and thinking of the happiness that you felt on that day when you received that. And then, but like, you know, you think back a few years and it's like, I'm not happy anymore. Like that present doesn't make you happy. You know, I remember one day I got a present on Christmas and I was excited and I was playing with it and that Christmas present broke. And then all of a sudden that happiness was gone and happiness can be taken away. Happiness can be taken away from us. And this year, more than any, we realize that. Things that we love and things that made us happy are taken away from us. You know, happiness, happiness fades away or it gets stripped from us. Things come up in life and, and they're, they're taken away. And so happiness is fragile. 
happiness is temperamental. And, and so if your life is built on happiness, eventually it's going to leave you with nothing. And, and so it's important to say at this point, we're, we're, we are pro-Christmas celebrations. We're, we're not here to shut them down. We're, we're pro-happiness. Happiness is a good thing. And, and I'm not trying to you know, get you guys to denounce everything that, that brings you any kind of pleasure. And, and happiness and celebrations are good, but when they're the final goal, or when you place your value in those celebrations, you're going to be left disappointed because eventually it's going to fade or it's going to be stripped away from you. So if that's where you put your life and where you put your hope, you're going to be left disappointed. And so if we understand that joy is better than happiness, rather than putting everything into happiness, and if we realise that happiness is going to be taken away, we put our, our hope and, our, and our everything into joy because no one can take that away from us. No matter what happens, regards of COVID, regards of whatever circumstances happen, joy cannot be taken away from us because what Jesus did for us cannot be taken away from us. And so we move from a life centered on happiness and that temptation of following happiness to a life centered on joy. Because joy is better than happiness. Because God is faithful. The promises that the world offer us and the things that the world offer us are going to go, they're going to fade. The things that we chase and, you know, we might be saving up for something or we might be chasing something really hard or a career or some sort of, you know, like a boat or a car or a house or whatever, but eventually, like, that happiness, it fades. And so we centre ourselves on joy. And this is easier said than done and there might be even a sense where you're trying to justify certain aspects of happiness that you need to have or certain reasons that you need to be that. But if, if Christmas is, is any indicator, it's a hard balance to keep. Like, how, how do you do it? Like every year like we struggle between like how, how much happiness do we chase? How much happiness do we embrace? How much, how much time do we spend on Jesus? How much time do we think about that? And even, like, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or anything, it's a hard balance to find yourself in. And so, like, how do we do that? And so if there's one thing that I can, I can pass on, there's one piece of kind of thing that we can think about today, it's this slow, slow down. Slow down. Because if we, if, as we head into December, it starts heading up, things get busy, you know, things start getting out of control. And in order to make Christmas happy, we have to do this, we have to organise that, we have to, you know, make this meal and, and do all these extra things. And, and, and it, to, to slow down works against every single grain of how we're wired. There's all these things that we have to do to make sure we're happy, to make sure the people around us are happy. You know, we, we need to be busy, we need to have high output, we need to be, you know, doing extra in our jobs, achieve lots, and we, but we need to slow down and centre on joy. And, and so firstly, we need, to, we need to slow down and understand grace. Because when we understand grace, it produces joy. When, when the Bible was written... Uh, Leanne actually mentioned that, that, that joy and grace are linked and they're actually linked in a very close way because they both come from this root word, car, which, which carries this idea of favour. So in the New Testament, charis means grace and kara means joy. And, that, and they both have the same origin. Grace is the favour that God shows us. 
And that's the more literal definition of grace. It's this act of favour that we don't deserve. And as we understand that favour, the reaction is joy. God God showed us so much favour that he would send his son into a broken and a messed up world so that one day we wouldn't have to be a part of it, even though we're a part of the problem. And so when we celebrate Christmas, remember the sheer amount of favour that God has for us so that we can experience joy. We remember the story and we remind ourselves of the favour that is grace so that we can experience joy. And so as we come into Christmas, make the time to understand grace. Don't just do, you know, think of it as this mundane thing that we have to do and talk about and think of because we're in this season, but actually think about what it means that Jesus was born. Make the time to understand grace. Don't just put up a bunch of nativity scenes with a bunch of characters with extremely rosy cheeks. Actually make time to understand grace. Make time to understand what the story means. Understand the magnitude of what actually happened. Because the implications of God sending his son to be born here on earth is profound. what What it says about how much he values you and how much he loves you is profound. And so if you're kind of journeying in life right now and you kind of feel unloved, God, God loved you enough to give up his son. If you're, you're in a place right now where you feel undervalued, you, you might have, maybe, maybe you feel like your family doesn't quite value as much as you, as you, as you feel like you should be valued and you feel undervalued. Or, or maybe your work maybe doesn't quite value you as much as you should be valued and, you, and you're feeling undervalued. Maybe your friends don't value you. Jesus valued you, and God valued you enough to send Jesus. And when we think about what that means and, and how profound it is that God would value you that much, it changes how we see ourselves. It changes how we see God. But sometimes in order to realise that, it actually it takes a bit of time and it takes a bit of slowing down, which is the opposite of what we do in December because if we slow down, Christmas feels like it falls apart. But sometimes we need to slow down for the sake of joy and, and that might mean an exchange of giving up an area of happiness for the sake of joy but it's worth it. It's like the story in Matthew 13 of the man who finds the treasure in the field. It says, in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. He said goodbye to all his possessions. He, he gave up everything that he had and, and he went off and, and sold everything that had any kind of value to him. Sold everything that he had because there was something more valuable, so he gives up everything he has. He joyfully says goodbye to everything because there was something more valuable. And when we understand joy and happiness, and when we understand joy is better than happiness, we, sometimes we give up happiness for the sake of joy. And sometimes that means slowing down, giving up a, some, some area of happiness so that we can experience joy. So my, so my one piece of advice is don't, don't try and add this to your schedule. Because let's be honest... It's the busiest time of year. If we try to add things at this time of year, if we, if we, try, if we try to kind of you know, bring all these extra things in, we're, we're setting ourselves up to fail. 
It's like when you tell yourself you're going to get up earlier to take up running. It just, it just doesn't work because you're already busy. You've already got too many things going on. You actually need to take something out of your schedule so that you can have that time to think. Have that time to slow down and, and feel that joy. Rejoice in what Jesus has done for you. Because all of the happiness chasing is going to be faded by January and you'll be carrying around that Christmas weight and that happiness will, will turn into sadness. But if you focus on joy, that will last. The, the second uh, part is also, so when we understand that grace, the Bible says that we receive a gift. So the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, convicts us, teaches us and grows us. People who accept that favour, that is grace of, of, of God, also receive the gift of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And so this word for gifts is actually also linked, it's, it's charisma. And so, so gifts grow joy. And so charisma, that's a word that we use uh, even today, so it's borrowed from the Greek language. Uh, and so if someone has charisma, they, they have ability to speak well, they have ability to communicate and, and, and make people like them. Uh, or if you might have a background which is, which is charismatic, if you've been around churches, and that was someone who, who focuses on, on, the, on the gifts of the Spirit. And it's this idea of, of gifts and the Holy Spirit working inside of us. And if you turn to Galatians 5, it talks about life by the Spirit. So Paul says, if you have the Holy Spirit working inside of you, if you have this gift, you see fruit. What's the fruit of the Spirit involve? Joy. The Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit grows joy. By the grace of God, we receive a gift of the Holy Spirit that produces joy inside of us. It grows. And that means it might start small. It might mean that it takes time. It might not produce what we want straight away. But the Holy Spirit produces fruit, and part of that fruit is joy. If you look at the story of Peter, Peter, you know, it, before Jesus was about to be crucified... Peter denied Jesus three times. You know, he, he's just a normal guy. He got a bit scared. One of the people that he even denied Jesus to was just this little girl. He was, he was weak. He's just a person. He's worried about his life. Then the Holy Spirit comes on him and he's this guy with just pure joy. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that made him do the things that he was able to do. Peter was empowered by the Spirit. You know, he's, he's preaching to thousands of people. He's going to jail. He's worried about his life and he continues on because the Spirit is inside of him, not because he's this supernatural guy. He's still the same guy that, that denied Jesus, that was scared, but he has a Spirit working inside of him. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus, the Spirit lives inside of us. But here's the thing, you've you, you got to let him do the work. And sometimes in order to do that, you have to slow down. You need to give him room to do his own thing and chip away at you. And, and so Galatians 5 also talks about this wrestle inside of us. 
between the spirit and, and this brokenness that, that was still you know, part of our old self. And, and while when we walk by the spirit we see fruit, sometimes there's also a temptation to kind of live the old way and, and live in that brokenness. Or, or sometimes, um, sometimes we try to do his job. Sometimes, you know, we, we want everything now. We want to be good people. We want to be perfect people. We want to be seen to be the right people. And so sometimes we're, we're too busy trying to make our own joy that we don't allow God to, to grow that joy in us. And, and so sometimes we're busy trying to, trying to create this and be, you know, once again, like, I, I know I try to do this. Like, I'm so busy trying to, to be the right Christian, to, to, to know the right things, to, to experience the right things, that I don't actually allow the Holy Spirit to do that inside of me. Sometimes like, I, I feel like I have to be the right person. I have to do all these kind of things. And, and I, I find myself worried, angry and frustrated because my joy doesn't last the same as God does. Because it's just like this idea of happiness. We, when we try to make our own joy, when we try to play the role of the Holy Spirit, we, we just can't do it. Or sometimes we're, we're, we're too busy trying to fix ourselves that we don't allow God to fix us. You know, we forget that as actually, we, we actually needed to be saved. We can't save ourselves. That's the whole point of Jesus coming down. And we, we, we're trying to fix ourselves and, and, you know, like, all right, I've got to, you know, do this, this and this. And then, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be this much better. I'll be this holy. I'll be this, this kind of person. But it, we just find ourselves tired because we can't do that. That's why the Holy Spirit works inside of us. But sometimes you need to slow down and let him do it. And it's not, it's not an excuse to be lazy, but it's just actually, actually need to come before God. God, I actually need you to help me because I can't do this. God, what do you, what do you want me to do? How, how do you want me to live my life? Actually come before God. Take that time, slow down. God, help me. Don't just try and fix yourself. Come before God. Allow the Spirit to work in you. God, help me do this because I need you. And this goes against every grain of who we are because we, we need to be successful people, right? We need to be competent. And, and we, we try and save ourselves. We try and create our own joy. The, the final uh, kind of part of, of joy is this idea of gratitude. So gratitude values joy. So when we come and appreciate that joy it adds value to that joy because sometimes we have we have this joy in in us and we take it for granted and if you've grown up in church or you've been a christian for a number of years like you just stop valuing that joy sometimes you you don't stop to think about how how great it actually is that jesus would come down and be born or we forget about what it actually means that he actually came down and what, what actually happened following that and, and how much of a sacrifice that was. And so this, once again, this idea of gratitude comes from that same root card, Eucharistio. And Eucharistio is, is actually, you might have heard the word Eucharist, depending on, on your background, and Eucharist means communion. And so that's where we, we actually, we do communion and we have gratitude for the joy that we have. 
So when we're grateful, when, we're, when, we're, when we value that joy, we become satisfied with that joy. And so we remember that, that it wasn't just that it wasn't just that Jesus was born, but Jesus actually died. Jesus came and died on a cross so that we could come and have a relationship with him. Jesus, Jesus was a sacrifice for us because he loved us. He gave us grace. He valued us. He loved us. And so he died on a cross. And so every, every month here at Lakeside, we, we do communion and we have this idea of, of Eucharisto. We have gratitude. And, and so we, we take this and, and we think about what actually happened. Think about what, what God did for us. So as we, as we take communion today, I want you to think about these things. I want, I want you to slow down I want you to think about think about grace. Think about what it means that Jesus was born. Think about what it means that Jesus would die. Think about what it means who it means that you are. How God sees you. How God loves you. How God values you. And so as we, as we think about the bread, as we think about his body, think about what Jesus did for you. Think about how, how profound it is that Jesus would come to the cross for you. Think about that baby that was born so that he could die for you. That child that's there in the manger was a sacrifice for you. He was going to grow up, he's going to live a perfect life and he was going to be a sacrifice for you so that, so that you could be free from sin and death. So we slow down and we have gratitude for that. Because that's, that's crazy. That's profound. So we're going to take the bread. Jesus said, this is my body. Give thanks. And, and then he said, this is this... This cup, he gave it to him and said, Drink from all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So as we drink it, we think of the fact that, that we're forgiven. We're forgiven. And how were we forgiven? Through, through Jesus being born here on earth and coming to the cross. Let's drink together. Father, we thank you. For you are good. You love us. 
you have shown favour to us. You have loved us. You have valued us. And Lord, as we come into Christmas, we don't, we don't just want to go through the motions. We don't just want to do the things that we feel like we should be doing because that's what we always do. But we want to have joy and we want to understand what it means to be a follower of you. We want to understand what it means to have, have that grace. We want to understand that sometimes we just have to slow down. We have to slow down and understand you know, what, what it means that, that you would send your son. We have to understand what it means towards our value and the fact that you loved us and how great you are and how, how merciful you are that you would do that for us. So Lord, help us to pursue joy. Help us to center our lives on joy. Help us to understand that joy is so much more valuable than happiness. We thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.